Well, we have been working our way through the book of Daniel, and tonight we find ourselves in Daniel chapter 10. Now, Daniel chapter 10 is simply a one-chapter introduction into the last two chapters of the book of Daniel. So next week we'll pick up chapter 11 and then chapter 12, and we'll be done. But we have this chapter 10. I want to make an observation about Daniel, and, and it is as you look at his life, one of the things that we've seen, flip back to chapter 9 in verse 3. And we've seen this all through the life of Daniel. He's constantly spending time with the Lord. But in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, you'll recall from two weeks ago, it says, So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek Him by prayer and supplications, underline with, what's that word? Fasting, sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes. You know, it's interesting that Daniel is a man of prayer and fasting. As a matter of fact, one of the interesting things that you will find as you study through the Bible, that anybody that God used in a mighty way was a person of prayer and fasting. And tonight, as we go through the book of, or the chapter here that that is before us, I want to make tonight just a couple of observations and maybe highlight some things that, that we haven't been able to highlight as we've been going through. So we pick it up in chapter 10, verse 1, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. You'll recall that was his Babylonian name that was given to him. And the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. Underline three entire weeks, 21 days. I did not eat any tasty food, did not, nor meat, nor, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. As we begin chapter 10, we notice that Daniel, he says he's not been eating. Daniel has been fasting. It's in the third year of Cyrus the king, and so something's going on that's causing Daniel to to really want to spend some time intensely in a time of prayer and fasting. What could it be? Bible scholars suggest that it was in the first year of Cyrus the king that Cyrus declares that the Jewish people can leave Babylon and they can go back to Jerusalem. Tens of thousands of Jewish people are now living in Babylon And now they are free to go back to Jerusalem, back to Israel, and very few actually make the trip back to Jerusalem. Daniel at this point is probably in his 90s. Some suggest that he might be ill. Some suggest that he just is too old to make the trip. But for whatever reason, Daniel doesn't go back. But this obviously bothers Daniel that the nation is finally allowed to go back to to Israel and they just don't go. Now, Daniel has been fasting for three weeks, 21 days. And as he fasts, this is an interesting thing because as you read in verse 3, he says, I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. And so there is, Bible scholars suggest, two types of fasting. Some suggest there is the absolute fast where it's just simply water, no calories, no food. And some suggest that Daniel is on 
a partial fast. And if you, if you study fasting, you'll hear people refer to it as a Daniel fast, where he's just not eating, well, again, tasty food and wine or meat. Uh, I, I don't know what else he was eating, if he was eating something, but some people suggest that he's just fasting, limiting what he's eating, but maybe eating some other things. And, and there's a school of thought that holds that. Personally, my opinion is that in a fast, it's, it's, it's no food, but not everybody, not everybody holds this. Daniel says, I'm not eating these things. He's not saying that he's eating anything else. He's just saying, I'm not eating these things. So some people think that he's reduced what he's eating, which would be fasting, and some people think he's not eating anything. And I'm of that opinion, but, but I could be wrong on that. I'm not, but I, I could be. So, but you decide. But it's interesting to me that Every person in the Bible that God uses in a mighty way, every person that God moves through in a significant way, is a person of prayer and fasting. It's also interesting to me that any time an individual fasts in the Bible to spend time alone with the Lord, seeking the Lord, and a time period is given when it's an individual, it's always at least a three-day period. Now, there are times when God has an entire nation fast for a day and certain things like that, but that's just an observation that I put out. So the question is, what would be the implication for you and I, good Gentile stock, living in South Florida in 2004? Well, a couple of things that I think would be implications or applications for us. Interesting to notice there on your outline that Jesus began his ministry by fasting. Now, would you say that God used Jesus in a significant way? Absolutely. But it's interesting to me that here's a man who is as close to his heavenly father as any person has ever been, and yet before he begins his ministry, he begins with the 40-day fast. Notice what it says. It says, after he had fasted, speaking of Jesus, Forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry. It's interesting. After he had fasted forty days and forty nights, then he became hungry. Now, I fast in the morning, and by about two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm ready to eat the dog. But Jesus, it's forty days, and then after that, he becomes hungry. Well, a couple of things I want to point out here is I, I notice that God is using Daniel in a significant way. We're still reading the book of Daniel. Daniel has laid out the most incredible prophecies concerning the end time, but this is something that is up and running in Daniel's life. Notice number one in your outline that Jesus assumed that we would fast. Interesting verse, Jesus is speaking and he says, but when, you have to underline the word when, you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your heavenly Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. It's interesting that Jesus is speaking to a group of people who are given to doing rituals, fasting, in order to be seen by men. And what they would do is when they were going to do something spiritual, and you can read all of the accounts of these things, if they were going to give somebody money there, and you know, kind of like you have beggars there in the, in the New Testament time, they would do things like they'd blow a trumpet so everybody would see, I'm giving money now, and kind of losing their reward in heaven, you might say, more drawing attention to themselves rather than really meeting a need. And not only that, but in a time of prayer and fasting, they would dress in such a way so everybody knew what a great sacrifice this was. And so he says, when you do that, don't do that. Just do it in a way that it's secret. It's between you and the Lord. But the part that I find so fascinating, he says, when you fast, when you fast. And the idea is that this is just going to be part of what you do. So much so that there was a time in Luke chapter 5, there in your outline, it says, they said to him, 
The disciples of John often fast. Now, I want you to underline that because we're going to come back to that. The disciples of John often fast. The disciples of John, John the Baptist, often fast and offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees also do the same. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, You cannot make the attendance of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But, underline this, the days will come, and when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. Has anybody seen Jesus? Then we are in those days. And he says, and in those days, his followers would be people who are known by prayer and fasting. Now, I notice you're getting incredibly quiet as I say this, and uh, because it's something that we all know that it's an area of our life that we probably need to be taking steps in at some point, but sadly, many times, uh, for whatever reason, we, we just aren't. So, okay, we see that we should fast. It's interesting, Jesus says his followers would, but why do we fast? Well, number two, namely, for spiritual strength. The previous verse on our outline, I had you underline, and it said, but the days, um, I'm sorry, uh, it says the disciples of John often fast. The disciples of John often fast. That's an interesting verse because now you look at the next verse under where it says spiritual strength. Notice what it says about John the Baptist. And it says, they said to him, the disciples of John often fast. Did I put that on your outline the second time? No? Okay. All right. Then it says in Matthew 3, verses 4 and 5, Now, John the Baptist had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. It's interesting, I see locusts and wild honey, and I can't help but think of my Noah. Noah is the one guy who would eat a locust in our house, and and I, I have some stories to share, but in the interest of time, I will not. But this is one kid who will never starve, trust me on this. So... It says his food was locusts and wild honey, as opposed to that tame honey, I guess. But it says, then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea, that's kind of the country, and all the district around the Jordan. So everywhere, the entire country is coming out to hear this John the Baptist. It's interesting, John the Baptist is wearing a coat of camel's hair very bristly, not your really classy-looking, sharp-dressed man. Cheryl and I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to spend the weekend in a hotel. We were speaking at the Young Adults um, Retreat. And so, for those of you who don't know, at our house, we have no channels on our TV, which is a great thing because it, it helps us not to watch a lot of TV. We watch a lot of Blue's Clues videos, and if you have kids, you know what that is. But other than that, we have no television whatsoever. But when we go somewhere and there's a TV because we don't watch television that much, television is never on in the background. We are glued to it. It's like, do you believe this? You know, and we're watching. Well, it's late at night, and they have this show called What Not to Wear. Have you seen that show? And it's like they, they find somebody who's a total loser in the way that they dress. And we kept trying to turn that thing off and go to bed, but we had to keep turning it on because they had to say, what are you going to do with this person? And it's like the hour and a half episode, you know. And so, so we're watching. The, this is John the Baptist, what not to wear. Kind of the thing that he would walk in and you go, ooh, kind of, it just doesn't look good. 
And it's interesting, he eats rather simply. He eats locusts, you know, comes up to talk to him. He's got like a locust leg sticking out of his, out of his mouth like a toothpick. This is not your dashing and debonair kind of guy. He's not culturally connected. That is, he's not trying to be culturally or with the pop trends and staying connected with pop culture, relating that to his message. If there's anything about John the Baptist, he's totally disconnected from his culture. But it's interesting to me, not only that, but his entire ministry will last for about six months. And it says that the entire region, the entire country is coming out to hear this man preach. What was it in his life? What was the source of power that was maybe so glaringly absent in all of the teachers who were in Israel? Why was everybody coming to John? Well, it's interesting to me that the verse that we read said that the disciples of John fasted often. Was that the connection? I don't know. But it's interesting to me that here's a man who doesn't dress sharp, doesn't eat the trendy foods, doesn't stay culturally connected, but whatever was taking place in his life and ministry was so powerful that the entire nation was coming to hear him. That strikes me as interesting. Well, one day the disciples of Jesus are casting out a demon and they run into a real roadblock. It's an exorcism, and uh, they're frustrated because, you know, he just got this stubborn demon, and he just won't come out. And so they're saying, what in the world is wrong? Where is our power? Why can't we get something done? And it's interesting that Jesus responds, and he says, this kind does does not go out except by prayer and, what's that word? Interesting that the, the disciples had a certain amount of power, but all of a sudden they find that now they're in a time where there's an absence of power. And Jesus says, here is the solution. Here is the problem. It's prayer and fasting. Interesting, the Apostle Paul, notice what Paul writes about his ministry. He says, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in what? Fastings often, underline that, fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Now, I find this interesting. Here's a man who God used to start more churches than probably the rest of the disciples, the rest of the apostles combined. And he wrote most of the New Testament. Not only that, there was a time in his life when he is stoned for the gospel. He's been beaten for the gospel. It says that he's cold. He didn't have enough clothing to wear. But what keeps a guy like this going? And wouldn't you agree that we are still benefiting from the ministry of Paul the Apostle 2,000 years later? What could it be? What's well, interesting that he has this incredible strength and tenacity, but he gives us a clue, and he says he is in, he is in fastings often. Could it be that a lack of spiritual strength in our life could be directly related to a lack of what the Bible calls the method or the method to gain that spiritual strength where Jesus says, here's the problem. This type goeth out only, but by prayer and fasting. Could it be that there is a lack of spiritual strength in our life as individuals, possibly in our life corporately, because it is lacking in our life? Well, not only that, but fasting helps me listen. I want to write that down. I love this because 
The apostles one day are gathered together, and apparently they have no agenda other than they want to spend time with the Lord. Here's what it says. In Acts chapter 13, it says, while they were ministering to the Lord, which is an amazing thing that whatever they're doing is, is ministry, it's meeting the Lord's need. That's what that means. It's ministry. It's meeting His need. And it says, while they were ministering to the Lord and what? Fasting. Now, underline that. And fasting, the Holy Spirit said. And before I go any further, when was the last time you knew that the Holy Spirit had spoken directly to you in a way that changed your life, and you absolutely knew it was the Lord. Well, it says, they were the Lord in fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so here's kind of the scene. The apostles are praying Paul and Barnabas are there. They're not apostles at this point. They're just part of this prayer meeting. For whatever reason, the disciples say, let's get together and let's spend some time in prayer. And they're praying. They're seeking the Lord. It says they're ministering to the Lord. And in this time, it doesn't even say that they're seeking the Lord as far as asking Him any specific, any specific questions. They're just fasting. They're praying before the Lord. They're ministering to the Lord. And it's in that time that it says that the Holy Spirit spoke. Now, I have to tell you, I am wary of people who come and tell me on a continuous basis, here's what the Lord said. I find that fascinating because, you ever meet people like that? Here's what the Lord said. They always have a message from God for me. And many times you look at their life and they say, Pastor, I was praying the other day and here's what the Lord told me to tell you. And, And I'm the pastor and I have to be polite. I say this here, I wouldn't say this on Sunday morning, but inside I'm thinking, I know your life. You're a mess. If God has something to say to you, why doesn't He tell you something about your life? Why is it always about my life? I'm doing everything I can to hear God from my life. You have a quiet time for three minutes to come in. Here's what the Lord said about you. And it's never good news. <laughs> I am wary of people who hear from God more in a week than Moses heard in his whole entire life. Does that bother you? Absolutely. So here's the thing. I find it interesting that the disciples, the apostles are going through life. They're getting together. They love the Lord. They're fellowshipping with one another. They're fellowshipping with the Lord. But they take a time out just to listen, just to pray and fast. Lord, is there anything that you want to say? And it's in that time of listening, that time of fasting, that the Holy Spirit speaks. And He speaks to the entire group, and they know that they know that they know that that's what God is saying. Set aside Paul and Barnabas, and that is a life-changing message where Paul and Barnabas launch out and they begin churches and a missionary journey, but it was in a time where they stopped, they fasted, and they listened. Well, have you ever had that time where you just stopped and said, Lord, I'm just going to fast say no to some of these things, have my spiritual antenna up and say, Lord, just speak. I wonder what the Lord would like to say if there would be a time when you and I would slow down and focus in just for a day, a couple of days, if maybe there's some specific thing that He wants to say. Or could it be that maybe we don't want to hear? I've had those times. 
And so we have Daniel, and he has been fasting many times. And, it, and when he does, the Lord shows up. Another story there in your outline, the story of Anna the prophetess. You'll recall Jesus has been born, and it's time for Mary and Joseph to take him to the temple, kind of the ritual of what they do, kind of like a, a baby dedication ceremony. And so they take Jesus to the temple. He's a baby. There are thousands of people here at the temple on any given day. But there's one woman. Notice what it says about her. It says, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. You'll recall her. It doesn't make sense to us, really, but, but to them it did. She was advanced in years, having lived with a husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. So she's been a widow for, for quite some time. And she never left the temple serving night and day. Now, it says she's serving night and day, serving the Lord night and day. But how is she serving the Lord? Notice it says, serving the Lord night and day with what? Fastings and prayer, the two together. And it's interesting, Mary and Joseph walk in with Jesus, and it says, And at the very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of Him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, we see a woman who has dedicated her life to prayer and fasting. And she has been, as it says, serving the Lord through this. She's there in the temple. This has been part of her life. This has been going on maybe for years, but on a certain day, In the temple, there are thousands of people, thousands of people, but all of a sudden, Jesus or Joseph and Mary are walking in. They are carrying Jesus, but it's interesting to me that out of all of the thousands of people, nobody heard but this one woman. Why is it that thousands of people are there, but only one woman hears from the Lord? Could it be? that she's been serving the Lord with prayer and fastings. It was part of her life. And there was a sensitivity that, all, all, uh, that although all the other people were there to worship, to love God, to sing, to study, to hear, but God was moving and the Holy Spirit happens to highlight that fasting was just part of her life. And she hears and thousands do not. Well, also interesting to me that in her life, if you underline it, it says fastings and prayer. It's prayer and fasting or fasting and prayer. It's not prayer without fasting. That's good, and that's what most of us do. And it's not fasting without prayer because fasting without prayer is just a hunger strike. There's no spiritual benefit to that. I love this because apparently Anna experienced this. Notice the next verse on your outline from Isaiah, and it says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, there was a time before I met Cheryl, I was actually pastoring in another church, it was back in 1990, and there was another girl in my life way back when, and uh, she and I had known each other, I was teaching at a college, and and, uh, she was one of my students, and uh, we you know, never dated when she was one of my students, but the day she was out of my class. The, no, no, no. But, but the, that was funnier in my office. <laughs> and, and what had taken place is her path and mine kept crossing, and, and 
she had joined, uh, she went back to Tennessee, was part of the Miss Tennessee pageant. I was pastoring up in Ohio, and they would call me in to teach a revival, and they always brought her in to sing at these revivals. And so after about five or six of these revivals, we started thinking, hey, the Lord might be doing something here. And there was a, a great attraction. And so we began to think that this was right for each of us that we were, we were meant to be. And so we did all the things that you do. We got engaged. She had the wedding shower, bought the bedroom set, bought the, 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 uh, the wedding dress and all of this. It was about six weeks before the actual wedding. And one of the guys at the church came up to me and he says, Dan, have you really sought the Lord over this, whether it's the right thing? Have you spent a few days in prayer and fasting and said, Lord, I just want to hear from you? And I said, you know, I really hadn't, but it seemed like the right thing to do. And so I decided for one of the few times early on in my life to seek the Lord in this time. And it was interesting to me because as I began to do that and, and pray, I said, Lord, I think this is the right thing. Is there anything that you want to, you know, I'm open to whatever you, you say. People are saying I need to do this, and so I'm doing this. It was interesting that after about the third day, something inside happened, and I knew that she was absolutely the wrong girl to marry. I just knew. It, it, it was, there was no way to explain how clear, but it was absolutely, I just knew this would be a huge mistake. Well, it was interesting because as it was time to break the fast, I had to go to the airport and pick up one of the, the um, recording artists that was going to be singing at our church. And uh, as I picked him up in Toledo, driving him all the way back to Defiance, Ohio, where, where, our, where our church was, he began just sharing this story about how he had just gotten out of this engagement with this girl, and it was in a period of intense prayer and fasting where the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, she's not the right one. And he's telling me this, and this is this huge confirmation that, of what the Lord has already told me. And he said something, I never forgot it. He says, you know, Danny, he says, I could have, and this is interesting, he's just telling me, he just met me, he's just unloading all this stuff. And I guess he had issues. So anyways, he's telling me, and he says, you know, I could have married her because she was a believer and I'm a believer and, and it would have worked. He says, but here's the thing. He says, it would be like growing an arm out of the top of your head. He says, you know, you get used to it, but you always feel like something's just not quite right. <laughs> and it was absolutely. And so I knew as painful as it was, as our families were coming together for this wedding, that it had to end. And you know, I did the right thing. I called and left a message on her answer machine. <laughs> she was at work. No, but we, we did break up, and it, and it was the right decision, and I've never regretted, I've never wondered, was it the right thing? But I'm so glad that in a time of where I really needed to hear from the Lord, that He spoke so clearly. And, and I'm, I'm blessed, and certainly you've seen Cheryl and, and uh, all our children running around, so it was the right thing, and it's a cool thing, and, and God, God did that. Number four, when making a big decision, in the Bible, in numerous places, when the believers came to the place where they needed to make a life-altering decision, they began by having a time of prayer and fasting. Notice all the way back in the book of Ezra, it says, So we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter, and He listened to our entreaty. Paul is going around, and he's starting churches, and notice what it says. As they would, uh, as they would appoint leadership in every church, they would say, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, underline that, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. 
before Paul would place leaders in charge of churches, as he would move on, he would have a time of fasting and say, Lord, speak to me. Is this the right person? It's interesting that Cheryl and I, the, before we moved here, it was back in 1997, I was serving at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, and uh, we knew that we were going to, at some point, go and start a church somewhere, and we'd been praying about the, the right place. And a couple of things had happened. She'd come home in January of that year and said, hey, have you ever thought about Jupiter? And I thought, Jupiter, nice to date a girl on Jupiter, and, and there's nothing in Ju- Jupiter. For those of you who were here that long, there really wasn't, you know, unless you had a ministry to horses or something, but there wasn't a lot going on in Jupiter. And so I said, no, I really didn't, but I never could get out of my mind, Jupiter, Jupiter, Jupiter. Well, it was a, a few months later that, that I had to make a hospital call, and, and early in the morning it was a, a situation where it was an outpatient, and I typically, as the hospital minister, we didn't go to outpatient surgeries that were 7 o'clock in the morning, especially if they were in the next county up. And so, but this one time I just sensed that I needed to go to this outpatient surgery where one of the people who was going to Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, was having a surgery. It was actually Bill Abbott back there and Barbara Abbott. And uh, but something said you need to get up in the morning and go to this hospital visit. So that night, went to bed, got up super early, drove up to Broward County for the hospital visit, had to come home after the hospital visit, take my younger sister to school, and then head back up to Calvary Fort Lauderdale. So it, it involved a whole lot more. Usually if it's a situation like that, I'd call on the phone and, and pray, and, 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 but not drive up to the next county back and then back to the county. But since that I was supposed to. And so went to the hospital that morning and couldn't find Bill, but then walked into the waiting room. Didn't know Barbara Abbott from anybody, but all of a sudden as I walked in, she stands up and goes, it's you. Felt like a celebrity. It was wonderful. <laughs> she doesn't do that anymore. But, <laughs> but we sat down and she shared how there were a group of people up here who were praying about a church up in the north end of this county and said that they were praying specifically about me. And so I went home and began to pray about that. Well, little events took place after that. There was a time where uh, we were at a couple's retreat and we met Jerry and Joanne. I love this story because Jerry came up and said, we've been praying about having a church up in the north end of the county. And it was at the time we were at the couple's retreat there at Calvary Fort Lauderdale. And they had a band behind us and people are kind of dancing. They do that at Calvary Chapel. And so they, I'm a Baptist, but, but they do that at Calvary Chapel. And so they were, they were kind of doing that. We couldn't really hear what they were saying. I was catching every other word. Cheryl's standing next to me. She's not hearing anything that's being said. And, uh, but Joanne, Joanne says to her, as she, what Cheryl heard was jo- Joanne said something. What Joanne said was, she said, I sing and lead worship. But what Cheryl heard was Joanne turned to her and said, I sing songs. To which Cheryl turned and said, that's wonderful. I, that's good to know. We just go do that. And, that kind of, and, and so they walked away thinking that did not go well. And, and yet... We could not get Jupiter out of our mind, but, but they were about to promote me at Calvary Fort Lauderdale. Things were going well, and we were growing, and ministry was expanding. We knew we wanted to go somewhere, but we knew that wherever we went, it would be a, a commitment, a long-term, lifetime commitment, and so we wanted to really know. It was the July 4th weekend of 1997 where we said, you know, we keep thinking about Jupiter. It's in the back of our mind. We have other people from other places asking us to go here, there, and everywhere. And we said, let's just take this weekend and pray and fast. And so we took that weekend to pray and fast and said, Lord, tell us what you want us to do. Make it clear. And as we prayed, it just became stronger and stronger. Now, it was also interesting that at that time, 
my parents had allowed Cheryl and I to live in their house because they moved to Central Florida. So we were living rent-free, which is another reason why it was good not to move. And so we were living in their house rent-free. At the end of this weekend, as we were praying and fasting, at the end of it, we said, we sense that it's the right thing. Everything inside of us says, go to Jupiter, although we have no idea why the Lord would call us to Jupiter, but as we, we just sensed that it was the right thing. And it was an interesting thing because at the end of that day, we called one of the guys who was up here, and he said, what did you guys come up with? And we said, well, we, our hearts are saying to go, but we want the Lord to begin to confirm. You know, is it time to go now? Is this the right place? And he said, well, here's what we want to do. We want to put a conference call together, so we're going to call you back in five minutes. And so we hung up the phone, and we waited five minutes. We said a quick prayer. We said, Lord, you have to confirm is this the time for us to move? Five minutes later, the phone rings. I pick it up expecting it to be the conference call. But it's not the conference call, it's my mom. And she calls and I say, Mom, I want to talk to you, but here's the thing. We're waiting on a very important call. When they call, I'm going to have to click over. This is very important. She says, not a problem. Very quickly, we've sold the house. You have to move. Love you. (laughs) Bye-bye. And we hung up. We hung up knowing, knowing at that point that our time here had come to an end and we were going. Well, the confirmations continued, but it was in that week where God really birthed in our heart that this was the place for us to go. And I'm so glad that, that God called us here, but I'm so glad that we waited until we heard before we made a life-changing decision. Does that make sense? It was well worth the three days of hunger. Now, how you're supposed to break the fast by drinking milk or something like that? Not us. We went to Mamma Mia's Italian restaurant. <laughs> the next morning in the emergency room, looking up at the light. But could it be that in your life right now, could it be that there's something There's a situation, there's a life-altering situation, there's a situation that God wants to speak, and He's calling us to be alone. He's calling us to separate ourselves from the things that we normally entertain ourselves with, the food, the things around us, and focus in on Him and say, Lord, I just want to hear. Could it be that in that time He has something that He wants to say? And I know that every person in this room, there is something that each and every one of us are praying about. There's an answer that we're desperately seeking. Could it be that God wants to move in that way? And could prayer and fasting be part of the equation? Could it be? Well, we're going to continue in the chapter. Verse 4. And it says, on the 24th day of the first month, while I was at the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted... You know what? I'm not going to continue in the chapter because I think the Lord has said what He wants to say tonight. And and so we're going to stop right there and we'll pick it up next week as the introduction. But let me say this. This has been for me, once again, a reminder and encouragement that this is something that God has called me to do. It's something that He's called us to do. Over the next few weeks and months, you're going to be hearing about a call for us to pray and fast collectively. 
a corporate day of prayer and fasting, something that we will do probably on a once-a-month basis, probably a Wednesday, and we're going to ask you to join us in this as we come together to win this community, but realizing that it won't be our marketing strategy. It won't be the technological advancements and all of that and the wowing people with our Hollywood showmanship. It'll be the power of God, like John the Baptist without the camel's hair. I believe that God wants to do something, and I believe that that each of us has a part in that. And we'll pick that up next week. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this congregation. And Lord, I, I know that you have once again encouraged us to seek you and spend that time with you. And, and Lord, it, it's just we realize that in those times we never regret. We never wish we hadn't done that. And the benefit is so incredible. But Lord, we know that, that taking that first step can sometimes be such a challenge. Lord, I know that you've, in the study of this, spoken to me, and I know it's a message that applies to all of us. May we have that Bible power that we see, and Lord, we know that it comes in the Bible way. I thank you for this congregation. In Jesus' name, amen.